This is The Breakfast Wrap with John Moore. Good morning, it's John Moore. This is The Breakfast Wrap for Friday, July 14th. Sunny today and maybe a bit of cloud this afternoon. The high, 27 degrees. Here are the five things you need to know. Number one, American actors walk out. Number two, the accused Leslieville killer was on bail. Number three, Doug Ford unleashes on the Auditor General. Number four, in spite of chaos, Toronto's home prices are continuing to rise. And number five, the city prepares for the Honda Indy. The Breakfast Wrap with John Moore. 5.08 on a Friday morning. And if I'm not mistaken, July 14th is Bastille Day, isn't it? I don't know. Somebody, yes, I'm getting nods from the other side of the glass. I mean, who really cares? But, I, mean, I was yes. planning on having Nick play the song by Rush, Bastille Day, later. I didn't know there was a song by Rush called Bastille Day. All right, I just thought we would play La Marseillaise. But, uh, yes, uh, the day that effectively launched the French Revolution. All right. Also the birthday of a former girlfriend. But anyway. It's a sweet, sweet Friday! Yes! It is a sweet, sweet Friday. And um, welcome to it. And if I sound a little discombobulated, it's just because there are so many things to talk about today. And we will get to them all and we will give them all their proper measure. But uh, first amongst them, it would certainly be that um, Hollywood actors have walked out. And I think the big question is, and I know I... You know, as a news guy, I should have done a better job on this one. I'm a member of ACTRA. I'm a Canadian actor union member. So they did send out some kind of guidance, but I haven't uh, looked at it yet. But that's okay. Richard Krauss is going to be here to unpack this story. But here's what will probably happen is the way Canadian film and television production works is most of our production is American. And when they come here... They obviously would like for their productions to have American leads because those people are famous in the U.S. and so that's much more marketable. But Canadian law requires that if they want to shoot in Canada and get Canadian tax benefits, then a certain number of actors in their production must be Canadian. And there's even a ranking, like number of lines and stuff like that. So... Uh, I mean, it's one of the reasons why one of my silliest stories in my experience as an actor would be when they made a, what was it, Family Ties? No, it wasn't Family Ties. It was the crap version of Family Ties. There were two sitcoms, uh, and uh, Meredith Baxter Burney was the lead on it. Anyway, I was in a movie, and in order to qualify for Canadian tax rules, I had to be like the seventh highest ranked actor in the production. So I had to have like 25 lines. And so they did that. And then when they re-edited the whole thing for rebroadcast after five years, which is the runout time for residuals, they completely edited me right out of the movie. So they never had to pay me and I didn't appear in it again. These are the stupid vagaries of film and television production. And actually, the other story I can tell you about this kind of stupidity would be 
Uh, I appeared in a movie about the bombing of Hiroshima. And we spent seven days inside the uh, the actual, not the bomber, but of the, the same version of the plane that they used. And every time the plane took off, this one guy, this one actor had to say this line, the mixture is rich because he was in charge of the fuel. And we were filming like on day six and he said, well, we're going through the takeoff ritual and I'm supposed to say the mixture is rich. And the director, who really couldn't care less about, you know, the cost of anything, said, fine, say the line. In so doing, he went from one rank of an actor that paid $750 a day to the next rank of an actor that paid $1,200 a day. And because we were shooting for seven days, he got paid for seven days at that particular rank. Yeah, his mixture was enriched. It was, absolutely. Um, big press conference yesterday. Um, you know, I don't think this is necessarily, well, Bastille Day for American actors, but it's pretty dramatic stuff. Fran Drescher, who knew? Fran Drescher is the head of the American Actors Union. I cannot believe it, quite frankly, how far apart we are on so many things, how they plead poverty that they're losing money left and right when giving hundreds of millions of dollars to their CEOs. It is disgusting. Shame on them. We stand in solidarity, in unprecedented unity. Our union and our sister unions and the unions around the world are standing by us. Because at some point, the jig is up. You cannot keep being dwindled and marginalized and disrespected and dishonored. The entire business model has been changed by streaming, digital, AI. This is a moment of history that is a moment of truth. If we don't stand tall right now, we are all going to be in trouble. Okay, and a couple of quick notes on this. One would be, you know, most people look on actors and they think of people who make $10 million a movie. But the average actor, like in Canada, for example, there are 28,000 people in ACTRA. The average actor may get five or six shooting days a year if they're lucky. And so it's not, they're not spoiled rotten. It's not, not the most lucrative thing in the world. Um, the other aspect in this whole thing would be that, yeah, the industry is facing some pretty significant challenges. The actors are actually out more because they're supporting the writers. And when it comes to the writers, there's some really interesting and compelling issues that they're raising. One of them being AI. And some people are saying, oh, come on, what, what could possibly be impacting on your career with AI? Well, imagine if somebody gets a computer to generate a movie script. And then because it was generated by a computer, it's supremely lacking in creativity. So they just call in a writer and say, hey, fix this. That's not the same thing as being a script writer. That is being a script doctor for a computer, which is pretty weird ass stuff. So 
Um, we're going to be talking at, I think it's 6.30, uh, 6.50. We're going to talk to Richard Krauss about how this is going to impact things in Canada. But it could easily shut down productions because like I was saying, you know, you've got a, an American TV show shooting in Toronto and the American actors can't work on it anymore. So we're going to have to shut it down for the Canadian actors as well. Also, uh, actors started walking out yesterday from promotional appearances. So there was actually a screening in the UK for the new Christopher Nolan film, and the actors all turned and walked. And I guess some people might see that as self-defeating, but it's, it's about having an act of solidarity and uh, making sure that this actually has an impact. You're listening to The Breakfast Wrap with John Moore. And even if you aren't taking in the motor racing this weekend, you're probably, I mean, I'll all depends on where you live, but you're probably going to hear the excitement from the uh, Honda Indy this weekend. Looking forward to that. I'm not addicted to car racing, but I love when something exciting is happening in our city, and I love when something that a lot of people find extraordinarily compelling is happening in our city. It's one of the reasons why I am excited about the uh, World Cup coming to Toronto. In spite of, because that's been an abiding issue this week. There was a call from a taxpayers group asking the new, the incoming mayor, Olivia Chow, to cancel the World Cup of Soccer, and that ain't going to happen. And while I'm certainly not a fan of Expo, because I don't even know why it still exists, I mean, Expo used to be this event where the world would come to a city when that city couldn't go anywhere else. I mean, almost nobody was a major traveler. If you wanted to go to Europe back in the day, you know, when you talk about the Chicago Expo, uh, you would have had to get on a ship and spend like eight days getting to Europe. So people didn't see the world. So the world would come to you at Expo. And I honestly think, I know the Vancouver Expo was kind of a deal, but I think Expo 67 was the absolute apex of Expos. And it was back in the day when it was like, why the dishwasher could revolutionize your kitchen. What about the modern history of plastics? And, you know, then we got to the point now where we have the Internet and you can visit the Vatican online if you want to. <laughs> Nobody needs Expo. So I'm not a fan of Expo. Certainly not a fan of the Olympic Games. I love watching them, but I do not want to host them because the legacy of uh, an Olympic Games is just massive debt and a stadium you can't use. However, the World Cup of Soccer, I am totally in. Honda Indy, also totally in. Uh, we had a tornado. As a matter of fact, we had a couple of tornadoes yesterday. There was one um, outside of Montreal. But in particular, while Vashi Capellos was on the air, tornado touched down in a suburb in the south end of Ottawa. And... This is one of the miraculous aspects now of everybody having a phone in their hand that is also a video camera. I mean, we capture pretty well everything. And the images of this tornado are extraordinary. You see the funnel. You see debris beginning to be whipped up. You actually see a couple of roofs being ripped off of houses. But it was quite the extraordinary day in Ottawa. And also, I get that um, 
tornadoes are not unprecedented in the province of Ontario, but it does seem very interesting that we had that system yesterday that apparently is the same system that absolutely heaved rain down on southern Ontario, and in particular Toronto and the GTA, um, yesterday morning at like four, and then there was another round of it a little later on in the day. And apparently that is the same storm system that then brought a tornado to Ottawa and another one to the area of Montreal. So uh, three suspects, as you'll remember, were um, not identified necessarily, but photographs and image captures were released of three guys, two of whom, it appears, got into some kind of an argument and exchanged gunfire in Leslieville. One of them has been arrested. Um, Toronto police announcing they have charged 32-year-old Damien Hudson with second-degree murder after investigators allege a fight broke out between Hudson and two other unknown suspects, a stray bullet killing 44-year-old Carolina Hubner-Makarat, mother of two girls. And I imagine if you've been following this story since uh, this horrible tragedy unfolded, um, last Friday, one of the things you have to be touched by is the incredible dignity and eloquence of Carolina's husband, who has continued to release statements thanking Toronto for its charity and compassion and thanking individuals for expressing their condolences. And you just think, I mean, I was looking at the images again last night because they bring up these this slideshow of a mother and her husband and their two beautiful daughters. And it just looks like any other bucolic family life. But those little girls are now gonna grow up without their mother and their father has been beyond stoic. Subscribe today and always hear the latest episode of The Breakfast Wrap with John Moore. It's going to be interesting to see what happens with this actor's strike because the writers went on strike and producers didn't blink. So the actors have decided to throw in with them. But the fact of the matter is that there is all kinds of stuff that's already been produced that is going to be made available um, streaming and elsewhere. Producers will probably turn to reality television and then they'll also start turning, especially on the streaming platforms, to international television production. But then you'll get to the point, and this is where it becomes compelling for us as Canadians, where they're going to say, okay, well, we're going to produce something in Canada and put it on ABC in the United States. And Canadian actors will then say, no, we're not going to work on it. Or will they? That's what we're going to find out on the show today. But a quick sidebar to all of this, I think whenever people consider something like this actor strike that is unfolding now, they think of Tom Cruise and Mel Gibson and uh, Goldie Hawn or whoever else, and Margot Robbie. They think of people who are paid millions and millions of dollars. But actually, for the average working actor, it's more like being a cater waiter. And actually, a lot of working actors are cater waiters. It's like, hey, you got a booking. You got two days. You're going to be on the set for the boys, and you're going to make... $1,800. And so it is not about people who are spoiled rotten or live in the glam life. It's about people who are just working, making a living, just like an Uber driver, For you know, to be perfectly honest. So 
I, I find the debate over interest rates and housing prices and, you know, all kinds of other economic issues to be extraordinarily intriguing because no matter what happens, everybody is going to complain. So previously, it was all about the fact that young people can't afford to buy a house because housing is unaffordable and rent is unaffordable. And inflation is too high. We've got to reduce inflation. We've got to bring down housing prices and make housing affordable. And so the central bank raises interest rates and everybody says, now you're making it impossible for me to afford my rent and for me to afford my credit line and me to afford my house. So no matter what we do, everybody seems to be extraordinarily angry. But for all this perspective on whether or not the central bank rate is acting as a depressive force on housing, well, housing prices in the GTA are holding steady. And as a matter of fact, year to year, we are up by 11% as of the first quarter of 2023, 11%. Ask yourself, if there was a bank offering you 11%, on a deposit, you, there would be a lineup around the corner in order to deposit money at that bank. If there was a company that told you you were going to make 11% annually on share prices or stocks that you bought, you would buy those stocks. So clearly housing is still beyond secure. It's actually at 11%. Uh, you know, that is an incredible investment if you own and a somewhat daunting prospect if you're trying to own. Uh, speaking of housing, homelessness, other issues like that, just want to revisit portions of our conversation with Olivia Chow yesterday. Uh, the newly installed mayor of Toronto decided to make News Talk 1010 her first stop. And one of the things we touched on was my growing concern, and I'm sure I'm not alone in this, that... I mean, homelessness has become a crisis in this city to the point where it's starting to consume all of the oxygen that might be going to other issues that we worry about, like congestion, whether or not Olivia Chow is going to raise your taxes. But no, because two blocks away from us sitting in the studio right now at Peter Street, there is a homeless shelter where I'm sure you've seen the video images. John Woodward's been doing great reporting about this on CTV. Um, there has been this influx of refugees and because they were told, well, this is a homeless shelter, they go there and they're told, sorry, we have no beds. So they just camp outside. Here's Olivia Chow. And it's been pouring rain last night and earlier this morning. And I was thinking, oh, my God, what would you do if it's like you are on a cardboard? Everything is soaking wet. And, um, and these refugees came with nothing. And um, or else they wouldn't be refugees. And they can't work because they don't have a work permit yet. So, and all our shelters are full. So they can't get anywhere. What do we do? So um, tomorrow, city staff and the federal and provincial staff are coming together in the afternoon. They're looking at ways on how we could work together so that was yesterday, which means that meeting is happening today. So today could be kind of critical if the feds in particular say, okay, listen, we're going to pony up. We're going to find a place, temporary shelter for these people because refugees are a federal responsibility. 
And uh, so we'll continue to cover that situation as the day continues from our newsroom. One quick sidebar to this discussion, though. You may have seen, again, in John Woodward's reporting, several of the people who are camped out in front of the Peter Street homeless shelter are from Uganda. And they have fled Uganda because Uganda passed a law where not only are they banning homosexuality, but it is punishable by death under certain circumstances. And you know what? That is a wonderful way to upstream the conversation about why we end up with refugees sometimes. And sometimes it is entirely our own fault. Now, it's not the fault of Canadians. I don't think any Canadians were involved in this initiative. But American evangelicals, who were infuriated by the fact that gay became normal in the United States, decided, okay, well, our fight to uh, push down gays in the United States ain't working, so let's take it to Africa. And so they went to countries like Uganda, and they lobbied for laws against homosexuality. And so because some presumably rich, because they got nothing else to do, apparently, than go to Africa and, uh, and you know, lobby for something like this. So some rich Americans went to Africa, lobbied against gays, succeeded in passing laws against gays. What happens? The gays end up in North America as refugees. And that is just one tiny case study in how behavior in the developed world creates the chaos and poverty that produces refugees who end up back in our countries. One other question for Olivia Chow yesterday was about the encampments. And I pointed out in asking her that when we addressed this during the mayor's debate or the candidate's debate, she, when I asked her, are we going to get rid of the encampments in public parks in Toronto and elsewhere by Labor Day? Um, I pointed out in the debate, she turned that into a housing debate. And I said, no, we got to talk about the encampments. You need to ask Mr. Trudeau and Mr. Ford that question. Today, sorry, on Friday, tomorrow afternoon, if they begin to help us deal with the refugees crisis and actually pay the $160 million, right. that it's, their, it's our bill to them. And so, again, today could turn out to be a pivotal day. But it was interesting. I don't think she was deflecting the question. She was pointing out the fact that, you know, law says you can't kick people out of public parks if there is not actually shelter space for them. So, you know, this is not an easy question. It's time for the highly anticipated Friday edition of What Toronto's Talking About. And for that, of course, we turn to News Talk 1010's John Moore. Morning, John. Happy Friday. Good morning. Welcome to Friday. <laughs> Good morning, John. I'm glad to see that you and Bill made it out to the golf exactly. course yesterday after the rain subsided. Always nice to see and plenty of wildlife on the course as well. Uh, but let's start stateside with some pretty historic news. Uh, Hollywood actors are now set to strike alongside film and television writers.
Yeah, this is fascinating because, of course, almost every single day we all turn to our streaming devices and to television, hoping for some form of entertainment. Writers went out on strike. Producers did not really blink. However, now actors are on strike. And the really important aspect to all of this, aside from whether or not we're going to continue to get the kind of uh, you know, content that we expect, is how is this going to affect the Canadian industry? So productions, for example, shooting in Toronto, if they involve American actors, those mm. actors will stop work. There's also the question, and we're going to put this to people at ACTRA today, the Canadian Actors Union, are Canadian actors out of solidarity going to cease to work as well? Mm. Yeah, that is the question. They've talked about sort of supporting and standing arm in arm, but will they cease acting? That's a good point there, John. Uh, in the meantime, turning to a story we've been following really for a week now, uh, and we found out yesterday a man charged in the shooting death of that innocent bystander in Leslieville has a pretty significant criminal history. This is going to continue to goose the debate over bail conditions in Canada and justice reform. And there are actually bills before Parliament in Ottawa, but Parliament's not in session. What we have learned is, first of all, they arrested one of three people who were allegedly involved in the shooting of a 44-year-old woman, Caroline Hubner-Makarat, who was just a bystander out for a walk on a summer's day, and she's hit by a bullet and dies before the ambulance can even reach the scene. So we have a 32-year-old guy busted in that. And uh, he just has a great long string of criminal convictions and criminal episodes and was free at the time on bail. Mm -hmm. This is definitely going to add things to the bail reform conversation. Uh, and John, turning to this now, you know, adding to the price of everything going up, Royal LePage is predicting that GTA home prices will end the year up 11%. This is beyond significant, actually, because everybody's been talking about how mm -hmm. the rise in interest rates is acting as a forcing down factor on real estate. But in the GTA, as you mentioned, this is Royal Lepage figures, but actually properties expected year to year in the first quarter to have risen by 11%. Now, just to ask yourself, you know, where else could you get an investment at 11% mm. in the stock market, at the bank, on a bond? You couldn't. So mm -hmm. real estate continues to be a very solid investment. Of course, the downside to all of this is anybody who wants to get into the market is further persuaded that it's just out of reach. Yeah, those mortgage payments right now on an 11% up on an average $1.1 million home, uh, that's... That's a tough pill to swallow, that's for sure, John. It all yeah. seems counterintuitive. Uh, in the meantime, speaking about counter, some clockwise or counterclockwise twisting, tornadoes hitting Ottawa, a suburban neighborhood yesterday, damaging about 125 homes and really scattering debris all over. Some extraordinary video, which we're looking at right now, of the damage, the aftermath, but also some people captured the actual twister. And this happened yesterday in Ottawa, an area just south of the core of the city. There was also another twister just outside of Montreal. So a lot of people beginning to wonder, we're just at the start of tornado yeah. season. They're mm -hmm. fairly rare in the province of Ontario. So what lies ahead? Mm, yeah, I was uh, following this. It was trending on Twitter yesterday, and some of the images from a lot of the users was quite remarkable mother nature she's a beast <laughs> can't mess yeah. with her all right news talk 1010's john moore actually no we have one more story uh john this is about sriracha because the price for a bottle of hui fong's iconic hot sauce uh gets spicy with supplies really in short supply i think we were talking about this last week yeah, we finish with a little bit of hot spice <laughs> for you. Uh, this is a product I use in my house all the time. Mm -hmm. And I have to say, you know, when people say, well, Hui Fong's uh, iconic hot sauce is in short supply, what's the big deal? There are alternatives. I went to Chinatown. I bought one of the alternatives. I've been trying it out, mm. and it just is not the <laughs> same deal. 
And believe it or not, a lot of this is owing to a supply chain issue about the hot peppers that go into this sauce. Mm. But some people online are bidding as high as $150 for one of these wow. bottles of hot sauce. Oh That's why gosh. I stick with the Red Hot Chili Peppers. <laughs> 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 Musically, of course, yeah. <laughs> All right, John Moore, News Talk 1010. You can catch him 5 to 9 on News Talk. John, have a great weekend. We'll chat next week. Thanks. Jennifer Chung and Nick Dixon over at CP24. And, yeah, I've, I've started hearing ruminations about this hot sauce shortage. Must have been at least a year ago. And you got to dig pretty deep into the story to find out. And some of this is about the fact that they apparently this one plant in L.A. had a deal with a hot pepper supplier and then the hot pepper supplier decided to go somewhere else. And so they had to try to secure their hot peppers from Mexico. Um, but I guess the wider question would be, is this particular hot sauce actually better than others? I can attest. As I was telling Nick and Jennifer, I was in Chinatown and I saw a bottle of hot sauce and I thought, oh, goodness, okay, the short, the short supply is over. I'll buy it. And then when I got home, I realized it was not the label that I've been using. That is, if you are in a restaurant, you will be supplied with this particular hot sauce like 95% of the time. And this alternative, just not up to it. it what, was, what was the difference, though? I mean, is that like a Coke Pepsi thing or... Yeah, I guess so. I mean, there was a, honestly, there's a blandness about it. I mean, it's a hot sauce and it's a bland hot sauce and it's not a lack of heat. It's a lack of whatever it, flavor texture I was looking for in it. Um, but actually one of the great secrets, Nick, of what happens in restaurants is, for example, uh, sometimes you'll be in a restaurant and they will put a bottle of Heinz ketchup on the, because that's sort of the Coke of ketchups on the table. But in fact, it's been infused with like they, they receive these 10 gallon containers of another kind of ketchup and they just put it in the Heinz bottle. So it is possible that occasionally you've been in a restaurant and you've been presented with a bottle that alleges it, that it contains Huifong and it's some other hot sauce. But anyway, let's not dwell on this uh, forever. So listen, just going through uh, some of the stories we've been dealing with, because I don't want to repeat everything. Um, did the tornado. Oh, here's one. This is one of those eminently debatable issues, and it will be debated on the morning brief at 620 and then at 745, 845 on the roundtables. But the bill is in for the governor general's four-day visit to Iceland. And the one thing that really stands out is $71,000 in limousine costs. I have a few thoughts on this one, and then I'll leave it to the pundits and I'll leave it to you. Uh, I love that one person, one critic pointed out that they could have landed in Iceland, bought a BMW, and then abandoned it at the airport, and it still would have been cheaper than this. They also point out, and I can attest to this because I have been to Reykjavik, that most of the places the governor general was going to, she could have walked. However, I will not hang this around the neck of the governor general because it's not up to her to figure out her transportation. 
she just like, she gets an order paper in the morning and says, today you're going to such and such a place and you're going to cut a ribbon and then you're going to pat two children on the head and then you're going to get back in your car and you're going to go to another place and you're going to cut another ribbon. So either you believe that we need a governor general or we don't. And then the wider question would be, when can we give some marching orders to the governor general's office and a few others about how they could maybe save some money? That's The Breakfast Wrap. Thanks a lot for listening. My name is John Moore. I hope we'll talk again soon. You've been listening to The Breakfast Wrap with John Moore. Don't forget to subscribe and get the latest episode from wherever you get your podcasts. And listen weekday mornings from 5 to 9 on News Talk 1010.